First Timothy chapter six, starting at verse thirteen. Thirteen, isn't it? Yeah. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honour and might forever. Amen. Cool, thank you. Um, it's not the only verses we're going to be referring to today. We're going to look at a whole bunch of different chapters. Um, most of them will appear on the screen behind me as I make mention of them um, to save you trying to flick there. But you might like to just have a pen handy so you can write down the reference um, and pick back up on it. A bit later. So that's just a suggestion you might like to take. Uh, last year, 2020, it was, it was the year for um, picking up new hobbies, wasn't it? I think we all, we all picked up something, um, tried our hand at something new. Uh, for example, um, 2019, no one baked their own bread. I mean, why would you? It was at the shop. You could get it. It was easy. We didn't break the... No, who's got time for baking bread? Uh, 2020, apparently everyone has time for baking bread, to the point where you go to Woolworths or Coles and you, you couldn't even buy baking flour. They, they had to completely uh, repurpose flour mills <laughs> to produce more flour for shops. Isn't that, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, it didn't matter that at the start of 2020, none of us actually knew how to bake bread. Because we can quickly learn, and when you're in lockdown, of course, you've got time to do things like that. There, all of a sudden, there were endless uh, tutorials online, videos and, and, and YouTube guides and blogs on how to make the best sourdough and how to keep a sourdough starter alive and whatever, all that sort of stuff. It, it was unbelievable. Just all this information just burst forth. And so all these things, you're like, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. I wouldn't even know how to begin to do that. You could just learn it. Uh, you didn't even have to take a long time to do it. You could find the information quickly and just know. And it's interesting how much that characterises our lives, doesn't it? Um, if we don't know something, we just go and find it out. It, we don't even think about it, you know. Someone, the kids ask us a question, I'll just Google it. <laughs> I don't, like, it's just what we do. I don't know how to do this, I'll just watch a YouTube tutorial. And now I do, at least in part, know how to do this. If we don't know something, we just find it out. And then, at least in part, we can know. We've just become, to, become used to living like that. And so we start to wonder, well, couldn't we just approach God like that? Can't we just learn God? You know, I don't know something about God, let me Google it. I don't know if you could watch a YouTube tutorial on how God... Uh, but, but you could do your research, surely. You just know who God is. Find it out. Of course, that begs an even deeper question, which people have been asking for thousands of years. Can we truly know God? Is that even a possible task? Can you and I actually know who God is? Now, it would be very tempting for us to say, yes, <laughs> of course we can. We, we can know all sorts of things. Of course, we could know God as well. But actually, the answer is no. Can we truly know God? No. We can't. 
that, that might seem as a surprise to you because what we're about here is all about knowing God. So how could this be? Well, what we're going to see today is that God is incomprehensible. Now, just shelve that because we have all these strange ideas about what that could possibly mean. Uh, we're going to explore that. But it's clearly what the Bible says. That was what we, we had in our text just before when Steve read it. Um, did you, do you see the description of God that's given there? God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see. That, that's not a knowable God, is it? You can't get close to that God. He's in unapproachable light. And that's actually really great news. That's astonishingly great news, in fact. And this morning we're going to be unpacking why that is the case and why that is such good news for us here today. Now, it's not just one text in the Bible that suggests that God is unknowable. It's, it's quite a consistent theme throughout Scripture. So we're going to pick out some texts now. They're going to flash up on the overhead behind me as we do. Uh, the first is from Job, Job chapter 11, verse 7, and 7 to 8. This is what it says. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Can you really know God? Of course, the answer is no. They're higher and deeper than anything we could ever imagine. Or Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? Or instructed him as counsellor? Who has even begun to imagine just how great God's mind is or his ways are? Not only that, God's greatness is unknowable. This is what Psalm 145 verse 3 says. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. We can't even begin to imagine the depths of how great he is. And not only that, his understanding. His understanding is beyond us. This is what Psalm 147 verse 5 says. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. We have limits, but God's wisdom, God's understanding doesn't. In fact, his knowledge is infinite. This is what Psalm 139 verse 6 says. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. The way God thinks and acts and uh, his wisdom it is just beyond us, the psalmist says. I haven't got a chance of even grabbing it. And not just that. It's not just his wisdom or his knowledge or his uh, understanding of how things work. Even God's ways, even the way he acts in this world, is beyond us. Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You can't come up to my level, God says. I am above you in the way I think and act and you can't reach that. Now we might be tempted to say, okay, Old Testament God is really big and really great and really mighty and we can't come to understand him. But New Testament God is surely different. Surely that's a God we can know. Well, we get to Romans 11. Uh, and in Romans 11, Paul's been exploring God and his ways, the ways he's acted, the way he's promised to act, the way he is acting in Jesus. Uh, and his conclusion isn't, um, wow, isn't it great that we can just grab and understand exactly what God is doing now? No, this is what his conclusion is in Romans 11, verse 33 to 34. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? We just cannot begin to imagine how our God works. He is so high and so far beyond us. And that's the consistent line of the Bible. There are depths and riches and mysteries and greatness to God that you and I, even in our wildest, most imaginative dreams, cannot even begin to get a grasp on. God is above us. This is uh, what Wayne Grudem, a theologian, he says this, It is not only true that we can never fully understand God, it is also true that we can never fully understand any single thing about God. <laughs> so it's not just the case that we can't actually fully understand God in all that God is, we, we can't even fully understand one little thing about God. We can't even wrap our mind about one part of Him or one aspect of Him. In every single way, He is utterly above us and completely beyond our ability to know Him. But you might say, well, you might be thinking, but I know lots about God. <laughs> like, I've been taught about God all my life. There's heaps of things that I understand about Him. How could we then say that God is incomprehensible? How does that even make sense? Well, maybe you can think of it a bit like this. Uh, imagine, imagine a fishing trawler. Uh, fishing trawler cruising the ocean, you know, dragging its enormously long uh, trawling nets. And it's, it's cruising along, hopefully filling its nets up with fish. Uh, but all of a sudden, its nets start to strain. And, you know, they're straining to the point that the, the boat is, is being slowed down, you know, that it can't go as fast as it was. And all of a sudden, in fact, not only is it being slowed down, the boat is starting to be pulled backwards by its nets. And, you know, the fishermen are amazed. Like, obviously, fish don't do that. What on earth is going on? And then about 500 metres behind them, uh, a nuclear submarine surfaces with their nets wrapped around the bow. Not a French diesel submarine, a nuclear submarine. Uh, this has actually happened, by the way. Now, imagine that situation. Uh, how do you describe that situation? Um, if you say the trawler has caught the submarine, technically you're right. <laughs> but you're not really, are you? It's, pretty, it's a bit of a stretch to say that that trawler has caught the submarine, is caught onto the submarine. But let's be honest, we all know who's going to win that. And that's like us when it comes to the knowledge of God. We, we might like to claim knowledge of God. And maybe we can grab onto a little bit. But can we truly say that we, we truly know God? Can you and I, with the very finite minds that we have, truly grasp what an eternal and infinite and utterly perfect God is like. I mean, can you, I don't know if you've ever sat down and tried to con, you know, even conceive of what those things are like. Um, here, this will put you to bed tonight. Think about what eternity is like <laughs> or what infinite really means or what perfect actually is. It, it, it just boggles the mind, doesn't it? We can't, we can't get that concept. And yet that's what the Bible says God is. God is infinite. God is eternal. God is utterly perfect. And those are concepts we can't grasp. And therein lies our problem. 
Thomas Aquinas, a theologian 800 years ago, said the infinite cannot be contained in the finite. We are the finite, God is the infinite, and He cannot be contained in our minds, in our language, in our thinking, in our understanding. It is impossible. And that's what we mean by incomprehensible. It's not like how we use it. Um, you know, I say, I find Dutch incomprehensible, or Japanese. What we mean is, we simply cannot comprehend all that God is. Our minds trying to comprehend God is like a plastic cup trying to comprehend the ocean. It just doesn't work. He is beyond us. It is, it's not just that God is greater or bigger, as if we were talking a difference with degrees. It's that God is other. He is not like us. He is the creator. We're the created. He is God. We are human. He is infinite and we are finite. And that's why he is incomprehensible. And that's why this is good news. God is not like us. And that is the best news of all. He is unlike us in ways that we cannot even begin to fathom. He is not touched by our flaws or by our foibles. He's not touched by our insecurities or our concerns or our pettiness. He is other. He is above us and infinitely so. And that is good news for us. But what it does mean is when we think about God, we need to be careful. We, we, have, um, we, we fall into very informal ways and very lax ways of thinking and talking about God. All of this means that we should be awe-filled when it comes to God, when we dare think of Him or speak of Him. Um, we should never come to a point where we're thinking, and now I understand Him, or, or, or now I realise exactly what He's doing or what He's like. When we think about Him, we need to remind ourselves He is so much greater uh, that's, that's the lesson that Job had to learn, that we started the service with. Job's thought, I know how God's working and this is not right. <laughs> and God says, you have no idea. <laughs> you don't understand a thing. Uh, one writer puts it, he says, when we think about God, we ought to say to ourselves, this is not God. For God is incomprehensibly above whatsoever I can say, whatsoever I can think, and whatsoever I can conceive of him. Whatever picture of God you have in your mind, whatever understanding of him you think you have, it is inadequate. It doesn't get there, and that's good. There are heights and depths and riches to God that we cannot even begin to imagine, and that is wonderful news. God is incomprehensible. It's astonishing and awesome. It should drive us to wonder and amazement and to praise. And yet it's not terribly comforting, is it? Um, yes, God is big uh, and, and enormous in ways that I couldn't even begin to describe. But that feels kind of impersonal, doesn't it? That feels distant, maybe even cold. You know, God is incomprehensible and enormous and, 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 and wonderful and infinite. But now what? What does that mean for us? Uh, back when we used to travel, once, once upon a time, 
Um, I used to love going to Melbourne, um, pre-kids or without kids, trips to Melbourne, that's an easier way to do it. Uh, and when we do that, one of my favourite places to go is Chinatown. Um, I, I love China, I, like I've never been to China, so I understand that it's probably a pale uh, picture of what it's like, but, but I love to go there. Um, mainly for the dumplings, because <laughs> I love dumplings and the dumplings are great. Um, but, but just for the feel of the place as well, like you go there and it feels different, doesn't it? Um, it feels a bit foreign and it feels different and a bit exotic and it, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's exciting, it's, it's special. But it's also a bit confusing. Um, I don't speak Chinese, that will come as no surprise to anyone. Uh, not Mandarin, not Cantonese, not any of the, the dialects. I don't understand a word of it. I marvel at the lettering. I think I'm glad I don't have to write like that. Uh, but I can't read it. I can only appreciate how beautiful it is. And that's an issue when you're in Chinatown trying to order dumplings at a restaurant. Um, if you've ever done it, usually the restaurants are so busy, you have to line up uh, and they race you into the restaurant, they get you your food as fast as they can and then they get you back out. It's very efficient. But it's a bit of an issue because you sit down in the restaurant, you feel the time pressure and you look at the menu and there's no English. That's a bit of an issue, isn't it? There is pictures though. <laughs> but if you've ever looked at a men menu, a dumpling menu with pictures, um, that's not very helpful because dumplings all look the same from the outside, don't they? <laughs> What's inside it? It's a mystery. <laughs> now you can take the punt and just say, I'll have that one, that one, and that one. But what do you really need? You need an interpreter, don't you? You need someone who can tell you exactly what's going on, who can take what you can't understand and relay it to you so that you can understand and so that you can't accidentally order that thing that you really don't want to eat. When it comes to God, that's what we need. We can't comprehend him. We can't read him or learn him or understand him in and of ourselves. He is beyond us. And if that was just the full stop, we'd forever be in the dark about him. We wouldn't be able to know exactly who he is. We wouldn't know anything about him or how he is or relate to him in any meaningful way whatsoever. We need him to communicate. That's our only hope here. And the good news is, he does. He has. This is what Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says. What may be known about God is plain to them, that's to people, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Paul's saying, God has communicated in a way that every person, everywhere, at every time, can see and at least know that he's there and that he's eternally powerful, that he's divine. His creation, the world around us, all that he has made, it tells us of him. No one is ignorant. The whole world is a message to us. God is there and God is great. But... As a means of communication, that's not a great deal better than the picture on the Chinese menu, is it? It tells us something, but it doesn't tell us everything, does it? It tells us he's there, but it doesn't tell us much of what he's like. What we actually need is more, isn't it? We need someone to read him to us, <laughs> to speak to us, to interpret him to us. 
personally so that we can truly know him. And that's precisely what God has done. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 14 and 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. John is starting off his story of Jesus' life by saying, God has done something spectacular. God has performed an act of communication that is entirely unparalleled, that we could never have conceived of. What God has done is he, he has stepped into our story. You know, the, the author has become a character in the story that he's writing. The, the word has become flesh. God has become close. The infinite has come to take on the finite. Why? In order that he could be known. In order that we could come to understand him to some degree and know who he is. See, this knowledge divide that we have been talking about, this uh, what was incomprehensible to us because of our human nature, what was deepened catastrophically by our sinful rebellion against him, he has crossed that divide. He has stepped over what we could not have done. And he has done so deliberately in a way that we could comprehend and in a form that we could understand. I mean, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but, but consider all the ways that God could have communicated to us. <laughs> Just think about the things that he could have done to speak to us. You know, he, he could have appeared in the sky. He could have written it like physically in creation. He could have done all sorts of things. And what would have happened? <laughs> we would have either doubted or been terrified beyond imagine. Like, go back to the, New, uh, the Old Testament. Picture Israel. You know, when God actually comes down on the mountain, and what do they say? Go away! Send someone else! <laughs> it's too scary! But that's not what God did. God appeared as a baby as a human who spoke and communicated, who taught. Uh, theologians, have a theologians have a word for everything just to make themselves seem really mysterious, um, but their word for this is condescension. Um, not that God was insulting us but you know, being condescending to us, uh, but that God condescended. That is, he came down to our level. You know, we've got special ways we talk to kids. We use different words and different ways of talking. God's done the same to us. He has come down to our level. He has a special way in which he has spoken to us, and he's done it through Jesus. And what do we learn of God? What do we hear of God in Jesus? Wonderful things. As John said, he is full of grace and truth. We learn of love and compassion and forgiveness and mercy we learn that where there was this previously uncrossable barrier of our sin in jesus a way is opened again by which we can know god not not fully not completely but know him truly and be known by him truly as jesus says later in john 14 i am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one who forgives 
who removes that barrier, who restores, who opens the way so that you and I would have a chance of knowing God and not just knowing him as God, but as Jesus says, knowing him as Father. That's what we see in Jesus. God, who, though infinite and eternal, incomprehensible, great beyond our imagination, wants us to know him as Father, as one who loves us and who cares for us and is kind and compassionate to us, one who adopts us as children so that we would live with him forever. God has revealed himself powerfully and wonderfully and beautifully in Jesus to each of us so that we could know him. And this is who we see him to be, infinite and eternal and loving and gracious and life-giving. So when we come to think about God or speak about God or come to God, this is why we have to leave all of our preconceived ideas at the door. Um, Firstly, because he's greater, more than we could ever comprehend or even begin to stretch our minds around. He's just beyond us. And our best attempts to conceive anything of him are utterly futile. He's greater, but secondly, he's better than anything we could ever comprehend. We don't have to try to impress him. We don't have to try to earn his favour. I mean, he's infinitely above us. We haven't had no chance in the first place. And there's no need because he has come to us in love and in grace and in truth. So yes, we cannot know him fully in his entirety, but we can know him truly as a father and love him who first loved us. God is bigger and better. We can't know him in his infinite bigness. We don't have the language, even the concepts, to get a toehold on who he is. He is incomprehensible to finite minds like us. And yet we can know truly something of him. Not because we discovered it, not because we were clever enough to think of it, but because he showed it because he performed the most remarkable act of communication in history. He, as the Son, came and put on flesh to reconcile and restore and relate. And in him, we can have true, even though not complete, true knowledge of God and know him and live through him. So let's pray and give thanks to him. Let me lead you as we do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the infinite, eternal, almighty God. Lord, when we read of your word and get these glimpses of how you have revealed yourself, we're simply staggered at just how much beyond our comprehension and how much beyond our understanding you are in your goodness, in your power, in your wisdom. Father, everything you are is so much more than we could even begin to fathom. And yet, even though we in ourselves couldn't know you, you have made yourself known. We praise you for revealing yourself, that in Jesus you crossed that great divide, you forgave the barrier of our sin, so that we could not only know who you are, but we could know you in relationship with you. 
that we could call you Father and be known by you as your children and live in you. Father, we praise you for your awesome goodness and grace. And we pray that you would help us not to take you for granted, um, not to have small minds when it comes to you, but to marvel at you and be delighted in you and your infinite greatness and goodness that you've shown us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.